This Partner in Action podcast series is a collection of interviews and real-life stories from people who apply the partner mindset and behaviors. The result, they get more of what they want, more often, with less difficulty. Amy Carroll is a communication coach, trainer, author, and professional speaker. She travels the globe using her secret superhero powers to liberate people from communication disasters. The communication model Predator-Prey-Partner was developed by Pat Kirkland, a superhero in her own right, and who happens to be Amy's sister. You can find out more at Amy's website, carolcoaching.com and patkirklandleadership.com. So listen, laugh, and learn how you can overcome the communication disasters in your life and get more of what you want. I come from a long line of corporate trainers. Okay, not such a long line. There's just a lot of us now. And part of what makes our businesses successful, my brother, my sister, and I, is that we're funny. And by no means is this genetic. We weren't exactly a barrel of laughs growing up together, unless you include the typical events which naturally occur in a family with seven kids and parents who think live and learn is a useful philosophy for discovering the world around us. You know, backing the car into the neighbor's bushes while learning to drive was considered acceptable. A well-developed sense of humor isn't something everyone's born with, and the good news is it can be learned. So here's some guidelines, secrets, and tips I'd like to share with you. And for me, my funny formula is triggered by any daily event. It could be someone making a comment, just observing children playing, or simply missing the bus, the tram, or the train. And what happens in those moments is my brain leaps into search mode, and I scan this checklist for anything related to the event, however simple or mundane. And almost unconsciously, I ask myself, what is this something similar to, different from, or the opposite of what just happened? For example, during a recent training session with one of our multinational clients, my sister Pat was making her introduction. And I was in the back of the room. Pat was explaining the power and the importance of a specific body of work and its contribution in bringing human communication to the next level of evolution. She was speaking passionately about our commitment to this process of human development. A moment of silence could be felt in the room. And I'm thinking, whoa, needless to say, it's a bit heavy for corporate America on a Monday morning at 845. And suddenly, before I had completely formulated my thought, I said in a loud, nonchalant voice from the back of the room, and that's why we wear comfortable shoes. The whole room broke out laughing, including Pat and myself. And mine was mostly just surprised that I could come up with that. What happened in those seconds as Pat was speaking? My brain went into search mode, rummaging for something completely opposite to what Pat had just said. Something trivial or superficial. And shoes popped into my mind. Next thing I asked myself, how do shoes connect to our work as corporate trainers in advancing human evolution? And finally, I delivered the comment in a matter-of-fact style, adding to the humor by contrasting the lofty message even more. So let's look more closely on the return on investment of developing your sense of humor. There's lots of benefits. One is that the power and importance of bonding that humor and playfulness create. When we laugh at others' humorous comments, it's seen as a compliment 
a sign of respect, which reinforces another's value. People are going to be more loyal and committed to a company or a relationship where they feel this connection and value. A second benefit is that humor creates a positive physiological response. It relaxes the body. It brings oxygen via laughter. It has a direct effect on reducing stress. It attaches positive emotions to whatever is said, creating good associations and increasing retention of both information and and retention of the employee. A third benefit is that practicing humor develops creativity because when your brain gets in the habit of searching for links, connections, and opposites, it goes far above and beyond slapstick humor or one-liners. It can force the brain to new creative heights. In the workplace, innovation and creativity can provide a competitive edge that we know. So now let's look at types of humor. One of my favorite types is what they call reincorporation. And it's super easy to access for novice humorists. So what I mean by reincorporation, it simply means referring to something that happened earlier. In order for reincorporation to be funny, the humor recipients must be aware of the primary occurrence. Trust me on this one, I have made that mistake many times. So picture the scene. I have run five-day leadership programs in the past for a Scandinavian shipping company. So on day one, we talk about the importance of something called creating a psychological contract with these leaders' direct reports and their team members. As usual, in a most professional and convincing manner, I explain the concept and why it's important to have these psychological contracts. And throughout the week, one of the participants referred back to this psychological contract whenever possible. Over and over again, he would weave it into the conversation. Whether we were in the classroom or during a meal, I'd say, we're planning to end tonight at 6.30. Does that work for everyone? And he'd say, can we create a psychological contract about that? By the end of the week, his comment became incredibly predictable and yet all the more funny. This is just one of those cool things about reincorporation. It often gets funnier the more it's repeated. Kind of like lasagna tastes better the second day, right? I learned about reincorporation while studying improvisational theater. It's a popular humor creation tool in many comedy TV shows. More importantly, reincorporation creates a connection between people and among groups. It reinforces the collective and illustrates unity, sending the message that we share something in common. It's what we often refer to as inside jokes. So something about positive humor I want to mention here. I'm a big advocate of staying positive when you're joking around. In general, my advice to people is avoid pot shot humor or putting someone else down. When we joke or we tease others, it's all too easy to go negative. So positive humor is about lifting the other person up, potentially making them feel even better about themselves and the relationship. Another style of humor I refer to as mine is bigger than yours. Normally, this is seen as just the opposite of positive humor. Another way to refer to this is one-upmanship. 
most people think of this as each side putting the other one down, becoming progressively more insulting towards your opponent. Though it's often meant in good fun, unfortunately, it can sometimes cut too close to the truth, leaving a negative mark. I came across a great example of a one-upmanship with a twist of positive humor. I was working at this international school, and this Irish couple also worked there. One day, they were having lunch in the cafeteria by themselves, and I was sitting a couple of tables away, and I overheard this exchange. She said, oh, darling, you're the best, in a very playful, sarcastic tone. And he responded, no, my love, you're the best. She replied, no, darling, you're the best. He said, oh, my love, you really, really are the best. And it just went on like that, this one-upmanship. And that's part of what made it so funny because it had the positive twist. It was just the opposite of what people would expect. And it wasn't just about the words. They use their voices, intonation, inflection, and body language to exaggerate their simple back-and-forth retorts. Another style of humor I call advanced humor. Now, keep in mind, sexual humor may not be appropriate in most professional and some social environments. So I recommend avoiding it altogether. And instead, I encourage what I call advanced humor. Remember advanced math in school? Now there's advanced humor in life. And a key element of advanced humor is knowing what's appropriate for a range of settings and participants. And that range can be tremendously broad. All right, another style of humor I like to refer to as letting the loser out. When you put yourself down, you can endear yourself to others. And it's referring, it, some people refer to it as self-deprecating humor. Now, here's the thing is you don't want to do this too often because otherwise you could give the perception that you lack confidence. Though it's particularly useful to use it when you're in a position of, po of, of power over other people. It's an effective way to build rapport and trust. Another style of humor I refer to as getting physical. People use a full range of expressions and tools for humor. It's not just about the words we use, it's also about the delivery, how and when something is said. Physical humor is another category which doesn't even need words. There's a well-known American comedian, Ellen DeGeneres, and she has an amazing talent for physical comedy. I realized my own skills at physical humor were improving recently after watching a, these uh, videos of a mime. His name is John Lipovich, I think it is. And he's, he has some YouTube videos out. I highly recommend them because after just three times of watching them, I did an impersonation of a Beatles song and got tons of laughter from the people around the table. Another thing to check out about humor and watch out for is sarcasm. And sarcasm is tricky and can be hurtful or caustic. People who don't know me often have no idea how to respond to my use of sarcasm. Now, this is kind of unfortunate because it's usually a perfectly humorous comment that has gone to waste. In the right situation, though, sarcasm can be incredibly funny. Emphasis on tone or certain words or phrases can be, can like you just turn an innocent comment, can make them into a hilarious one-liner. So, what works for you? 
Decide what types of humor work best for you and the environment. Broadly, one can distinguish between what I call slapstick humor and subtle humor. Like, for example, play on words. I have this girlfriend, Libby, who just loves the Three Stooges. And a brother, Joe, with such dry and subtle one-liners, you'd miss him if you weren't paying attention. And one of my family's funniest inside jokes, from which we've gotten tremendous mileage, happened like 100 years ago. All right, I'm exaggerating. 40 years ago. And eyebrows are raised, laughter creeps in whenever we see a rubber band. You know, it sounds pretty innocent, right? Except this all backtracks to, an, at one time, my grandmother accidentally baked a rubber band into one of her famous applesauce cakes. <laughs> so, I mean, that is a 40-year-old joke that still got mileage on it. Amazing. Reincorporation at its finest. Another style of humor, word games. Those who naturally love to play with words use a lot of double entendre and, and like funny puns. Other people are great at bantering, tossing back comments back and forth. Games can be used to bring fun and laughter to nearly any situation. My brother Kevin created games when we were growing up, like, for example, one point for the name of the song, two points for the name of the singer, while we'd be listening to the radio in the car. Or he'd ha create bicycle challenges, like, whoever gets to the bottom of the hill first without pedaling is the winner. And it's amazing. Even though I pretty much lost all of these games, I always had a great time, and there was just tons of laughter. Kevin also uses brain teasers or mental agility games in his trainings. And following a long career in advertising, his book, he wrote, Think Outside Your Blocks, helps people to develop their creative thinking and can be easily applied to developing your sense of humor. Now, one last tip. Developing a sense of humor can be aided by improvisational theater. We were introduced to improvisational theater by my sister, Sheila. And to be successful at improv, you need to pay attention and stay present. Surprisingly, it's less about being funny and more about using whatever there is, literally taking the first thing that comes to your mind. Often the simplest, most obvious things are the most humorous. And here now is the checklist. If you want to increase your sense of humor, you want to start by noticing what style of humor you find funny. Next, pay attention to simple daily occurrences and comments around you. Then go through this checklist to find the connection. Ask yourself, what is this similar to, different from, opposite of? Is a self-deprecating or sarcastic comment just the thing here? What can I reincorporate? Is there a play on words to be had? What physical humor could work? Now, it seems like a long list, though, the more often you do it, the faster you'll get it going through the list. With practice, you can train your brain so these humorous responses become automatic. Well, good luck. Send me your success stories. I'd be curious to hear them. And in the meantime, happy partnering. If you want to participate in one of Amy's superhero trainings, you can find out more on her website, carolcoaching.com. That's two R's and two L's.